We turn in our Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, which I almost skipped over because we do have a prospective staff member uh, here this morning, and the verses are almost too much about that whole process. So I didn't want you to think I came up with this passage to try to build it around his presence with us today. Um, but it does kind of relate to it. But it's the, the connection between this passage being this morning and them being here is just, if anything, it's just God's providence. But uh, Paul begins in this passage to address the life of the church in Philippi, but it relates to a couple of individuals that are part of his ministry team, remarkable people that I can't wait to meet someday. I trust we will be able to meet them. I was saying in the first service, I, you know, I, I, I work for Jerry Ray on Tuesday nights. Uh, we, we work for Bruton Park. He takes Thursday night and I take Tuesday night at the LBA, uh, working, teaching with, sitting in with, Students that are really, most of them are pastors or want to be pastors. They're working toward that. They have goals. So uh, it's a blessing to be with them. I've, I've got eight or nine that are in my group now and uh, remarkable guys and highly motivated for what they're doing. They work all day in their day job and then they come out there and sit for two and a half or three hours. We're going through the whole New Testament. Jerry can do this. It's like you cover everything in the New Testament in one semester. It's an impossible job. So uh, with his permission a few weeks ago, we're focusing on parts of it. So one of the things we're doing is Philippians on Tuesday nights. And I have for the last few weeks done on Tuesday night what we're going to do the following Sunday morning. So I went through this passage we look at here today with them the other night. And as we were walking through that in a, a different setting, different format, I kept using illustrations from the lives of people from First Baptist Church. And it was a blessing to do that. It was exciting to do that. I felt a little bit bad because uh, it was such a positive thing that I didn't want guys that didn't come from such a positive church world to, to be envious or to be discouraged. But I wanted them to be encouraged by the reality that there can be awesome relationships between pastors and deacons and pastors and associate pastors and all. It can really be what the Bible shows it being potentially. And this passage is one of those that talks about Paul and his leadership and a church that he loves. It, it, is, a, it is a strong church, a good church. And these in-between guys that, that go back and forth between the church and Paul, who is, as we've seen previously, is in prison and doesn't have liberty to travel, but has incredible liberty to communicate, which is, in the great scheme of things, a great thing for us as New Testament readers years later, that he was compelled by circumstance to minister through the written word. But we come to verse 19 and the introduction of this guy, Timothy. He says, but I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. We don't really know nearly what we would like to know about Timothy. No uh, reference to his mom and his grandmother and that he was raised around the faith. But we're not a lot of background even on that. We know that 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy were written to him, and they are remarkable contributions to the New Testament. They're both brief compared to other epistles, 
but they are loaded with very important teachings on church leadership and the nature of the Bible and some important topics. But here he is ministering on behalf of the Apostle Paul. He's a messenger, a courier for the Apostle. And he says, uh, I hope in the Lord Jesus, or in submission to the will of God, to send Timothy to you real soon so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. He's anticipating a good word back about the progress and the condition of the church. He says, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Uh, He describes Timothy as, uh, he says, "I, I don't have anybody else that I trust like Timothy. He is literally same souled takes the word that can be translated as like or equal or similar and puts it with the word for soul. It's same soul. He's, his heart's like my heart. He's a generation behind, but he's my, his heart's like my heart. And I'm eager to send him to you so that he can bring word back to me about what's going on there and we can stay informed about the cause of Christ. And no one else quite like him And he will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul indicates to us several things about Timothy and our other character this morning that I think are helpful in encouraging people in church leadership, but Christians in general. And he shows to us here that Timothy is a kindred spirit with the apostles. I've never met any of the apostles. I can't wait to do that. I hope that's possible someday in heaven to... Uh, just bump into Bartholomew and get to know him or Thomas and talk about his mission uh, to the east in his day. But, and John and Peter, oh, incredible. And the Apostle Paul. Uh, but I don't know them firsthand, but I know their words. I know the scriptures, the, the ones that wrote in the New Testament. I know their words and I treasure that. And my world is largely built around those writings And so I identify not person to person, but person to the writings of some really significant people who love the Lord and served him faithfully. Timothy connects directly with, knew some of those guys, and and Paul says, he's like us. And he has a heart for the things that we have a heart for, and he is genuinely concerned about the people. He really does care. In verse 21, he continues, for they seek, they are not identified people of lesser character, they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his, that's Timothy's proven worth, that he served me in the furtherance of the gospel. That's where I got the title that you see in the bulletin for this passage this morning, the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father. I hope this morning when we leave in about 20-something minutes and we go out these doors, maybe even sooner or maybe later. But when we go out these doors, not very long from now, we'll go out committed in our hearts to the furtherance of the gospel, to seeing that the message of Jesus goes to the uttermost parts of the earth, beginning with Bellevue uh, and our neighborhoods and our families and our communities. Timothy had that kind of burning passion to see the message of Jesus advance and he was going to do his part alongside the ministry of the Apostle Paul to further the gospel, serving the Apostle Paul like a child serves a father. I said in the first service, for some people, that might not be a good illustration. 
They might have uh, a dysfunctional family background and that might not connect or register the way Paul intends that. I have three sons. I have three awesome sons and I relate to this passage completely. Child serving, a thought, loyal, committed, devoted, uh, encouraging of one heart, living by the same principles. Paul said, this is the way this guy is. This, you can count on Timothy in that sense. He prioritizes the cause of Christ. He has absolutely proven character. He's remarkable in his character, and he's intensely loyal to Paul personally, but mostly to Jesus. May it be that we leave here soon intensely loyal to Jesus Christ and to his cause, committed to the furtherance of that. Paul was, and so was Timothy. Therefore, he says, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. He's not being selfish, but he, he knows there's something that's got to happen there where they are, and then Timothy will be free to travel. And he says, I'm excited about turning the page and sending him to you. And he says, I trust in the Lord that I myself also may be coming shortly. Uh, he talks about this like we talk about jumping in the car and, and riding to Atlanta. The, the journeys that they take from city to city were remarkable journeys. Even from Rome to Philippi would have been quite an ordeal in that day. But Paul says, these are our plans. Paul always seems to have a plan, a remarkable plan of, of great achievement for the cause. But it's always subject to change, and he lives day by day, saying, this is what I have in mind to do, but God is sovereign, and I will trust him. You and I have our plans, and yet God says, but, you know, trust me. Uh, maybe I've got a way to tweak that or, or maybe making a major adjustment to that. Uh, I will be uh, in, your, in, your, their, in your behalf and, and I will be sovereign. And then in verse 25, he shifts to another character. He says, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Or Africans would say Epaphroditus, and they're probably right, uh, depending on what you do with the eye there, short or long my brother and fellow worker. So Paul shifts from one character to another, from one he sees as a son in the faith to one he sees as a brother in the faith. He says, a fellow worker and a fellow soldier. And you get the sense of the conflict, the time of conflict in which Paul lives. And he says, this guy, Epaphroditus, he's been with me through it all. He is totally reliable uh, he's uh, got a team spirit. He's there. When I need a brother, he's my brother. When I need somebody to come alongside me in the challenge of the work, he's there beside me. When things are heated and, and, and even dangerous, he's there. He is my fellow soldier in the cause of Christ. And by the way, Philippians, he's also your messenger uh, really, you're apostle. That's apostle with a little a. That doesn't make him like the apostles of, of the, the original disciples of Jesus. Apostle means a sent one, a sent messenger uh, in this context, someone who is a messenger of things of, of biblical importance. And he says, he's your apostle and a minister of my need. Good for Epaphroditus. You know, I can't wait to meet Epaphroditus because most people won't be standing in line. You know, it'd be kind of like going to Disney World or something and 
You got the special favorite exhibits and the mile-long lines, you know, people waiting to get. The, and then you got some that are, you know, nobody has even noticed that they're there, and you just kind of walk into those. And probably not a lot of people be lining up to meet Epaphroditus, but I can't wait to meet Epaphroditus and say, man, uh, tell me what it was like. He's one of those guys, with, he, he's not uh, heavily uh, popular or credentialed or famous, but he was just there day after day in the trenches for the cause of Christ and totally reliable. And the Apostle Paul, the remarkable Apostle Paul, was able to lean on him completely uh, through the process. And so he says, I send him to you. He's probably carrying the letter. Uh, I send him to you as your apostle. And the genuine, unselfish uh, character that he was, out he goes. He says, because he was longing for you all, y'all, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Uh, Epaphroditus is one of those kind of characters. There's some in the room today. Uh, they've got, uh, they're sick, but they're worried about people worrying about them. You've probably known some people like that. He was worried about the Philippians worrying about him. And so now he's better and he's going to go to them and he's excited about that because he can relieve their concerns and they can see that God has got him up and running and still productive for the cause of Christ. In verse 27, so he says, For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Paul's friendship with Epaphroditus is such that if, if he had gone down in the battle and the, and the cause, it would have been a very discouraging time for Paul, and he knows that. And he says, God was good to Epaphroditus, but by doing that, he was very good to me, and I'm relieved and excited that he's still part of the team. I mentioned uh, earlier a reference to my friend Deacle who died and Haiti is a missionary to Haiti uh, when we were in our 30s. And uh, he was just a, he had struggled through life and become a really remarkable individual, sold out to Jesus and died on the field. And uh, when Paul talks about sorrow upon sorrow, uh, that was one of those moments. And Paul says, I'm, I'm so glad Epaphroditus is up and he's coming to you. And, and he is what he is, a remarkable individual advancing the cause. Therefore, I sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Just hearing what's going on will bring encouragement to their hearts. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. So Paul says, just like we've got this memorial we referred to, and some of the people in there did some incredible things. If you don't know Max Fitzgerald's story, get him to tell you about it. Uh, it's, it's remarkable, and that should be held in high regard, and there needs to be a brick out there and a memory of that, that service, and I'm glad that that's out there. Uh, Younger Ben, I mentioned earlier, flying a, a wild weasel F-16. That's, that's crazy duty. That's amazing what uh, he does right now, not in combat, thankfully. But uh, that kind of thing needs to be valued in our thinking and in our hearts and in our culture. But we come to the cause of Christ and those who serve uh, in that process. And Paul says, those who have been found faithful, hold them in high regard. 
whether they're brothers like Epaphroditus or sons like Timothy, hold these people in high regard because of their commitment to the cause of Christ. That, he says, should be valuable to the church. Uh, you look up that word, it could be honored, esteemed, valuable, things like that are listed in the lexicon. Hold such ones as Epaphroditus in the highest regard in the church community because he came close to death. We don't know why, but he came close to death for the work of Christ. We don't know if he burned out, was exposed to something dangerous along the trail, was harmed by some opposition along the trail. But Paul says he came close to death for the cause of Christ, for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. He was trying to serve the Philippians and serve Christ by serving the Apostle Paul. He says, and he's not trying to put a guilt trip on the Philippians because they're faithful. But he says, what you were not able to accomplish, he was burning out trying to fulfill that responsibility. So we praise God for his life. Remarkable individual. Uh, Epaphroditus is one of those with total surrender to Christ. Jesus said, for whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Uh, what a great illustration of that principle in Epaphroditus. Uh, God was at work in these stages of the life of the Philippian church and the apostle Paul and those that served around him, Timothy and Epaphroditus and Luke and Titus and the others that were a part of that amazing missionary endeavor. Well, as I said, Tuesday night, I found myself referring to uh, people that were a part of my experience. And uh, it was just a blessing to me just to talk about it. Uh, people that in this church and back in Millen and, and in St. Louis, but places we've been, but especially in this church, uh, younger deacons who have been like sons and staff members that have been like sons to me and deacons that have been like brothers, some of them back along the trail, even like fathers in the faith to me. Uh, and to be able to go through as many years of doing what I have done and be as blessed by as many people as I've been blessed by in church leadership roles, it's just a blessing beyond measure. And I hear other pastors talk about their experiences and I I feel for, sorry for them, and I struggle to relate to some of that. Uh, and I, I tell my story just to encourage, uh, but uh, we have had individuals, men and women in this church, who stand for Christ and the truth of the gospel and things that really matter. That's awesome. And that should be held in high regard and honored. I'm grateful for, uh, you know, we had a staff here we had the forever staff. Remember Wally Weaver and uh, Dick Burrell, uh, my brothers in Christ. And it looked like we were all going to be here forever. And uh, I'm, I'm still here, but not forever. Uh, but those guys, the Lord moved them to something different and uh, turned a page. And then about seven years ago, we started this associate pastor experience. Uh, and the Lord has brought across our path amazing young men of faith and character and integrity that have been an absolute blessing to serve with, um, beginning with Josh Shatro all the way down to what I think we're doing today. Uh, I want you to feel blessed by that too, and I hope you've had uh, the same positive experience. And if uh, these guys come and stay with us for 12 months or 12 years 
or for the rest of their lives. Uh, whatever God has in mind, view it as a, a blessing and plug into that and encourage them and honor them and build them up in the faith and see what God does. Uh, man, what we just heard in music, that's, that's awesome. Uh, but God has blessed our church. Uh, Will went away and came back and uh, grew up here. He, he knows every pew uh, in the church and most of your names and faces. Uh, but what a blessing to be surrounded by people of integrity who love Jesus and love this church and want to advance the cause of Christ. I was laughing in the first service. There's an ad running that shows George Washington in a boat. You know what I'm talking about? And he's trying to cross the Delaware, but it's the Delaware Turnpike, and there's no water, and those guys are pushing the boat, trying to get him, and people are honking horns, and he's screaming back, yeah, we've all got places we got to be. You know, it's a really pretty clever ad. But those guys doing the pushing, they're, they're trying to advance the cause. And you and I have the incredible privilege of coming here and worshiping and singing the great songs and studying the great scriptures and going out and pushing to advance, to further the cause of Christ. That's your role, whether you work in one of the local industries or one of the local schools, or you have the privilege of retirement, or you're still a student, or you serve here at the church. We have the, the blessed privilege of furthering the cause of Christ. If that's a part of your life, I just hope it'll become an increasingly important part of your life so that it will work its way to the top of your agenda and your values. And, and you'll get up on Monday morning and say, what can I do today to further the gospel? Paul was like that. And you can see it emerging in the heart of Timothy. I can't wait to read Timothy's full biography someday or just hear it straight from him. But we have the privilege of furthering the cause. Wednesday night group, remember we, we went through the lyrics to, for the cause, Townsend's great song he did with the, the Gettys, for the cause, for the, there is a cause. Uh, if you don't like what's going on in the world, then get on board with the cause and you'll have plenty uh, to excite you, to motivate you, to challenge you. The cause of Christ, it is the light of the world. The immediate context of this passage, if you back up a few verses into where we were previously, Paul's talking about the Philippians being the light, the hope of a perverse and crooked generation. You, First Baptist Church, and your denomination and your evangelical faith and people of like precious faith, you're the hope of the world. Christ shining through you. They can't figure it out on one side of the aisle or the other in Washington, but all kind of other places. They can't figure it out. And you've got the answer. God, give us vision and purpose and motivation and heart to further the cause, the cause of Jesus Christ. Paul said earlier in this letter, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, but to live is Christ. And if I have life today, it will be for Christ to further his purposes. Join me in prayer. Father, we're grateful this morning that you have called us uh, from lostness to foundness to salvation in Jesus. We're grateful for Jesus's finished work of the cross uh, that he did indeed pay the penalty for all of our sin, as the hymn we sang earlier said, not in part, but the whole. And we're grateful that not only can we be redeemed, but we can be redeemed to purpose 
And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you'll show us uh, your grand purpose and our role in that purpose, that we might be indeed a people who further the cause of Christ, who further the gospel. We pray for your help in that. In Jesus' name, amen.